The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. We gather for worship in the spirit of one who sang, unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combine, truth and love for all to see. The liturgy, music, homily, and cantata this Lord's Day are offered in the praise of God for our congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, service, and ministry in our midst, and as the spirit moves come Sunday, your presence here with us in worship. We gather to worship together, to cherish beauty, to know truth, to do good, to worship God. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Set us free, O God, from the bondage of our sins and give us the liberty of that abundant life which you have made known to us in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do, we do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of the age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish. But we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows what is truly human, except the human spirit that is within? So also no one comprehends what is truly God's, except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed upon us by God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsibly verses uh, from Psalm 112 with the Antiphon. Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in his commandments. Their descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. They rise in the darkness as a light for the upright. They are gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with those who deal generously and lend, who conduct their affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. They will be remembered forever. They are not afraid of evil tidings. Their hearts are firm, secure in the Lord. 
Their hearts are steady. They will not be afraid. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have distributed freely. They have given to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn is exalted in honor. The wicked see it and are angry. They gnash their teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked comes to nothing. And now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Glory to you, O Lord. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the reading and hearing of the day's scripture, we are given a word of encouragement and a look to the future. We can appreciate both the word and the look 
surrounded as we are every day with the unexpected consequences of sin, the unexpected news of illness and death, the unexpected threats that come from feelings of loss and meaninglessness. Together, we are followers of Jesus. We may follow from a long way off, but we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Together, we work to develop disciples in the heart of the city and in the service of the city. And being a disciple is a matter of the heart. Coming to Jesus may not be a matter of a moment or a day. It may not be caused by lightning or earthquake. It may not be from a command that is as plain as the nose on your face or mine, but it is always a matter of the heart. Now, St. Matthew has imagined for his church and for the church of all time a great scene, followed by many, both disciples and future disciples, Jesus ascends a mountain like John Brown ensconced in the snowy Adirondacks, like Moses up on Mount Nebo, like the Jewish heroes of Masada. Jesus takes to the high peak as his custom, as is his custom, and there he sits to teach. His words are as fresh and pure this morning as they have been for 2,000 years. He offers us a word of encouragement and a look to the future. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The most striking feature of this utterance is that it is spoken to and for a community. That is, the you is plural, you all, or as it is said of the plural of you all in the South, all you all. This is a word for the church, for the body of Christ, for you, for all you all. You can be salt, but not on your own. You can be light, but not by yourself. You can be a disciple of Christ from the heart, but not freelance. There are no freelance Christians. Jesus encourages the community of disciples, and his images that follow are common. A city, a house, all people. That which banishes the darkness of fear, that which banishes the loneliness is light. That which redeems the rotten blandness of selfishness is salt. Light and salt are found in community. The most striking feature of this teaching is that it is spoken to and for a community. The second most striking feature of this utterance is its breadth and depth. You, all you all, are salt and light of what? Of the mind, your mind, of a family, one family, of a school or university or church? No. You are the salt of the earth. 
and the light of the world. So let your light so shine before all humans. A community that is salt and light is deep and wide. Our chapel is at the heart of Boston and is heard around the world. This is a mountaintop word in St. Matthew. It is meant for the whole community. This is a word of encouragement and a look to the future for a church, a chapel at the heart of the community. When we plan and dream at Marsh Chapel, we try to think worldwide and half a century deep. One of the winds beneath our wings comes from our music ministry. Yes, at Christmas and Easter and on Communion Sundays and for special university services like matriculation and baccalaureate and Martin Luther King Sunday. But also, and notably so for us, on our twice a term Bach Sundays. The word and music of these days keep us moving forward together, salt and light. <coughs> Dr. Jarrett, what should we listen for in our cantata this Lord's Day? Well, thank you, Dean Hill. And just as you predicted, today's cantata, thank you for setting it up so nicely, offers a word of encouragement, a look to the future. It addresses y'all, all y'all, and you all in one 17-minute cantata. We have uh, featured in past surveys over the course of the Bach experience cantatas that focus on a specific liturgical event, maybe Easter cantatas, maybe Advent cantatas. We focused on those that are temporal, maybe cantatas for the name day of a, or council celebration or something like that. This year's survey focuses entirely on cantatas that Bach wrote for New Year's Day. The liturgical New Year's Day coincides around typically the time of Jesus' presentation in the temple or the circumcision. And though the librettist uh, would have known those texts of the day, they typically opt for a more secular read or, uh, of that moment of looking at the new year as an opportunity to affirm uh, God's faith and presence in our lives with an enjoinder to renew your faith and trust in Jesus uh, for your success and blessing in the new year. A word of encouragement and a look to the future. Bach's librettist sets up uh, this cantata in now a very familiar way. That is to say, he begins with fragments of the Lutheran, or the very old and ancient hymn, the Te Deum, in the Lutheran text, Herr Gott dich loben wir, which is how we get the name of the cantata known to have been sung at the start of the new year and indeed on festive occasions, you'll hear four lines from the Te Deum set like a chorale tune and long notes in the soprano part. The lower three parts have a much more active part that proceeds without instrumental breaks or interludes. All the vocal parts are doubled by a member of the orchestra except the first violins who have an entirely different and independent part which adds a fifth voice to the otherwise four-part <laughs> texture. The opening movement comes to a conclusion that sounds rather more like a grand pause. The bass steps forward with a seco restative drawing us from the ancient hymn sung throughout the centuries and brings us to the present moment with none other than a word of encouragement and a look to the future, saying, what have you not done, O God, since time began for our salvation? And should we not sing in fervent love? Therefore, a new song 
sing out, to which the chorus responds with the second chorus, the big number three in the, uh, in the moving of the cantata. The old modal hymn that ambled along in the first movement erupts into a joyful chorus in C major with all the singers in full acclamation. God's goodness and faith is renewed each morning. A word of encouragement, a look to the future. With the conclusion of this extended and tripart opening, we take inward turn. The alto steps forward to offer a prayer for God's blessing in the new year as he enjoins us to place our trust and faith in Christ Jesus. Notably, this is the first mention of Jesus in the entire cantata, and it guides and invites the inward turn toward soul-searching and personal reflection. This is the y'all to you moment. We've gone from the corporate y'all enjoinder, and now it becomes personal, singular, you. All you all. Actually, we don't say that in the South, all you all so much. Just all y'all is fine. <laughs> We're all learning. Okay. In such proximity to Jesus' name day and presentation in the temple, the theological image of Jesus living in the hearts of all believers is very much in the minds of the person in the pew. Says the tenor, Beloved Jesus, thou alone shall be my soul's wealth. We shall therefore, before other riches, enthrone thee in our faithful heart. Though this shift inward toward Jesus might seem to come late in the cantata, next to the last movement, at seven minutes long, this rumination balances the opening movements taken entirely together. The cantata concludes with a four-part chorale uh, that Bach had used just two days before to conclude Cantata 28, which we studied in November. In whole and in part, Bach offers a word of encouragement and look to the future for both the new year and for renewal at the start of each new day. Dr. Jarrett, with gratitude, with great thanks, we say a word of appreciation for what you bring us not only here in worship, but prior to worship on these Sundays in the teaching moment, the lecture that precedes worship, how crucial worship is. But worship alone, even when shot through with glorious music as it is today, is not enough alone for salt and light. For love, there need to be places to love one another, so every Sunday morning here, we host 10 or so smaller groups. Here is a morning study group. Here is a circle of student interns. Here is the Marsh Choir. Here is the Thurman Choir. Here is Take Note, Take Note. Here is the Intercessory Prayer Assembly Quiet Before Worship. Here is a children's room. Here is a luncheon or coffee following worship. Here is a Bible study following worship. Here is a mission group, Abolitionist Chapel. Here is a group heading out to visit shut-ins in the nursing home. For salt not to lose its savor and for light not to grow dim, there need to be places and spaces for nourishment. And this takes commitment. It takes investment. You cannot have that kind of fellowship or friendship in just a moment. It takes a lifetime of prayer and study, searching the scriptures together. 
Now, I know we have many of our own questions about the Bible, and they are good ones, but in the aftermath of the reading of Matthew today, we recognize these questions. Did David write the Psalms? Was Jesus born in December? Does Paul condemn slavery in Philemon? And so on, good for us. But today, somewhat beside the point, growth in Christ in today's gospel comes not from our questions about the Bible, but from the Bible's questions about us. Have you reckoned with the shortness of life? Psalm 90. Have you led a life worthy of God? Ephesians 4. Have you earnestly sought the higher gifts? 1 Corinthians 12. Have you reckoned with the real force of evil and the strength of the final enemy? 1 Corinthians 15. Do you tithe? Do you invite? Do you share your faith? Malachi 2. How does your generation's character compare to that of other generations? Matthew 28. In, antiqu in antiquity, it was Diognetus who loved the passage about salt and light. Around the year 130 of the Common Era, he wrote of the people of salt and light, and he is speaking of you, all of you. They display to us their wonderful and paradoxical way of life. They dwell in their own countries, but merely as sojourners. Every foreign land is to them their native country. And yet their land of birth is a land of strangers. They marry and beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. When reviled, they bless. When insulted, they show honor. When punished, they rejoice. What the soul is to the body, they are to the world. What salt is to earth and light is to world, are you to this country, to this county, to this region, to this city? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Sursum corda, lift up your hearts. Amen.
Oh, 
Let us rejoice, let us be glad. God's goodness and faith is renewed each morning. We thank the Marsh Chapel Choir and Collegium and Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett for leading us in thanks and praise this morning. Peace of the Lord be always with you, and also with you. My name is Nick Rodriguez, and I am the Ministry Associate for Outreach and Engagement. We welcome you once again to the nave of Mars Chapel, and hope you'll take a moment to help us get to know you better, so that we can help you get to know one another better, by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew. New Roots Church, the Boston Public Library, and Arts Emerson have invited the city of Boston to participate in a citywide read of The Parable of the Sower in the winter of 2020. This science fiction novel by Nebula and Hugo award-winning author and MacArthur Fellowship recipient Octavia E. Butler tells the story of Laura Oya Olamina, <clears throat> a young black woman living in a dystopian near-future suburb of Los Angeles whose hyper-empathy condition inspires revolutionarily spirit, spiritual insights to reclaim a common sense of humanity among the stars. The goal of a citywide read of this timely work is to deepen conversations about climate change, wealth inequality, our shared humanity, and the beliefs that shape society. Mars Chapel will be hosting a book group on Thursday, February 13th at 12 p.m. in the Thurman Room. Please RSVP on the chapel website and contact Brother Larry for more information. For all other upcoming services and activities, we'd encourage you to keep an eye to the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel, where you may also find the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Lord, you have blessed us with such love and goodness. We offer this gift to you with thankful hearts and joyful praise. We surrender our whole being to you in worship and adoration. Lord, may this offering extend the work of your kingdom in your church, in your community, and in the beautiful world you have created. Amen. it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to the, give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ our Lord, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 